0: Fine,
1: the one I have to do. I was in the suburbs, and there is not really. That many good all ages options in the city. So when I was really just you know still a teenager and stuff, um, we actually had local venues. Like I would be going to shows that, like b s w halls and Elks lodges, and there was and a was that like me. punk
0: stuff? Was that punk stuff? Was that hardcore? Was that
1: everything? <laughs> it was like punk, post hardcore, hardcore, emo. You know, like that. You know how that whole world is really just kind of one for a lot of it. It was like that. You know, like they were, I would go to shows and there'd be like a band like Teeny Back Sunday play after a band like 1982 in Eighty Two like a death metal band. You know, because it was just all local stuff a lot of the times. And like bigger stuff came through too actually. Like this little tiny venue we had, um we had like as tall as lions came through once when I was in middle school or high school. Um I think high school and Like, you know, at the time, that, like, felt really really big, you know, like, seeing them in, like, this tiny little local bar that all these matinees on Sundays. Um, Nice.
0: Yeah, and then I guess from that, were you, did you you start writing um, early on, or was it something later that you sort of really loved or kind of gotten (laughs) something into?
1: It came later. I was, um, I was actually playing for most of my younger life. And that was always sort of my dream, you know, is like to make it playing. Um, and then I went to college for music um, and it was there when like I needed to get like an internship and that's when I started. I just got one writing and I was like, I'll try it, see if it's cool. And it just like immediately clicked for me. I was like, I think like, you know, I might be better at this than I am at writing songs, you know, and like, so, and then, I mean, all I do it's just talk about music with my friends. And so it was like, I if I just do this on the internet and I can actually do that for my whole life. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And then when did you, I mean, when I'm sure you like, like myself were into a bunch of different genres and stuff. What, when, what kind of hit you with emo? What, what did you kind of love about it?
1: Um, I guess with emo, it was really, I mean, it, there are two things probably. I mean, one being the lyrics, you know, and like how with email bands I definitely felt like those those are the bands where you get all the quotes where you're just like, Oh man, I totally relate to that. You know, like like I love all kinds of music, but you're not gonna get that kind of quote from like like a Bob Dylan song. You know, like his lyrics are awesome, but like they're not gonna like relate to your life on that like really personal level, you know, like where you're just like, Wow, they totally get me and like this line is what I'm feeling which to me just kind of always hit the hardest. Um, and it was that, and it was also just always the way that emo could be, like, really aggressive. You know, like, when I, like, go to a show now, like, like if I see it down like Touche Amore now, like, I feel like I'm a teenager again. You know, you, like, you scream all the words, you, like, rush the stage, it's got that, like, huge aggression. But it's, like, not super macho. You know, it's got, like, that sensitivity to it.
0: With, uh, you know, I guess I want to get into sort of, I love, you had told me that story about how you kind of got the job and, um, at, at Brooklyn Vegan. Was that, was that your first in- internship?
1: Actually, no. Um, and I was, was reading your blog uh, the other day. Like, I looked, like, in every single post. I went all the right way back to 07. Because um, you're going to hate what my first internship was. It's actually for crush management. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm
0: actually, I, I know a bunch of people over there.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did that. I had, like, my mom knew someone there. She's an accountant. And she was like, you should just do it. It's music. And I was like, but it's not the kind of music that I like. You know, and she was, like, not understanding that. And she was like, you should do it anyway. So I what did it years was that? On... Oh, man. 2009 or something. Um, and, you know, they had me there for like two months doing almost nothing. I don't even think that they fully wanted to hire me. <laughs> um, so I guess even as an intern. So I just kind of like left one day and then I got in contact with Brooklyn Vegan like immediately after and just sort of happened so quick. It just worked out and I was like as soon as I started there, I was like, Wow, this is this is great. It was really my second one, but the first one that I actually, you know, got to dive into and do more than grunt work for.
0: Yeah, I mean and then you know, you're you're sort of doing a lot for them and what's the what's the vibe there? Is it is it is it still (laughs) like we want to take over the world or is it just very we're gonna do our thing and we're happy and
1: definitely a lot more the second one. It's definitely no world taking over um, feelings.
0: That's great. But, I mean, do you guys are kind of in a, in a place where uh, you're in a good spot? It's not like you're small. It's not like you're big. You're sort of, and that's not a bad place to be. Um, and you're kind of getting to do your own thing and you're not having other owners and people telling you to cover things or you have to deal with things. You're, it It is sort of, you're not going to know what you're going to get when you're opening it up.
1: Yeah, no, that is, that was definitely great about it. I mean, it's still independently owned and operated. Um, and that is really a huge benefit, I think, because you know, it's, like, it's so easy to just not be able to be that at this point, especially with so many competing websites.
0: What are your thoughts sort of, about this last two years where people are just always talking about the emo revival or emo in general, when no one was five years ago?
1: <laughs> and, and but and when you say that you mean like the non punk websites, right? Like you mean like like Pitchfork and Stereo Gum and NPR and stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, I mean I only think that all of that coverage is off. The time that those websites weren't talking about these bands I think was a really unfair period. I think they were getting ignored kind of because of the stigma of the genre named emo.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that they weren't they weren't kind of there was such a stigma to it. And then it got it kind of got cool. And um, I'm in the same way. I, I love it. I love that these bands are getting bigger. They're writing better records. They're be- writing better songs. And people are, you know, they're listening to it. But then they're also liking it. They're not just sort of playing it off or not playing it because of the name associated with it. Um And so, and I also think it's the age of people at the at the publications. We're old. We liked a certain thing when we were nineteen or twenty. Now we're working in a position where we can write about it. And so people are. Hmm. Uh,
1: (laughs) That's actually funny that you say that because I think a part of it. I mean, not that not that I don't, but not that you aren't right. I do think a big part of it too is that there's also younger writers now, who I mean, like I said to me, like like my. You know, my entry band was
0: Blink-182. I totally agree with you because I'm in the middle. I loved Cheshire Cat and the first record, but then after a while, it was on MTV and Fuse all fucking day. I couldn't stand them. Uh, so it's like you can kind of see where, yeah, it's definitely in the middle. Um, and it's definitely great for the bands.
1: Oh, I, I, I just know that a lot of people in my generation, like, I mean, I'm in my 20s. A lot of people I know in their 20s, that is, like, what got most of all of them into alternative music, you know? I mean, like, when when I was growing up, like, a band, like, brand new or Taking Back Sunday, that like that was alternative, you know? Like, that wasn't mainstream. Like, like the idea that emo is mainstream, sh- that idea is what got all these fans ignored by a place like, you know, Pitchfork or NPR or something. Like, because of the idea that, like, a My Chemical Romance or a Fall Out Boy is mainstream, then you would just completely ignore the whole scene and never find, like, you know, like foxing or something. Um, but I think, you know, before that, like to me, like, I think it's a brand new, it was like a huge example of alternative fan. Like, you know, when I was, when that was coming out, like I wasn't listening to like, um, you know, like the microphones or something, you know, like, um, it was mostly emo and pop punk and punk and hardcore and stuff. Um, and like you know, the mainstream stuff would have been rap or like you know, like dance pop. Like you know, the like the other kids in my school, you know, who had no interest in underground music, like they would make fun of you if you listened to any sort of rock band, unless it was like you know, super bro rock like Nickelback or something. Um, that would be like you know, like any any of those bands, like those Victory Records bands or drive-through bands, that was considered underground, just, like and, you know, relatively speaking. Um, so I think that's a big part of it is that there are people like in their 20s who are writing about music now, who like got into a band like Wolf Parade or like you know like Clap Your Hands Say Yeah or like whatever was like the coolest indie rock bands of the mid 2000s or something. Got into that like because they were Taking Back Sunday and them and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and I think it is. It's interesting to kind of see the ages of people and what they're writing about and even even younger even younger if it's buzzfeed you know it's like that kid's right out of college and he has access to this site that spews out garbage um and some of those things are sort of taken um farther um be it a band or um a genre or something so it is it is interesting to see how quickly things go now where it doesn't need to be someone that's it doesn't need to be a gatekeeper anymore it could be anybody what are your what are your sort of thoughts on it right now? I mean, it's such a, a vibrant thing. There's great labels, there's great bands, there's touring. Um do you feel there'll be a band that'll <clears throat> just break it break out of it and be not necessarily a hit because that's such a weird term, but a one yeah. it not necessarily from the genre, but just a band in general from this group of bands that are happening right now. Is there one that's going to do it or you feel like it's it's just gonna be a thing and kind of morph another way.
1: It's weird to think about. Like I thought about it before. You know, I'm like, like is emo gonna? Is it gonna do it all over again? You know, because like, like I was too young to experience like American football and Mineral and Promise Ring firsthand. I got into all those things after they broke up. Um, and uh, and that's you know I was I kind of like like my my like intro into emo is just like so you could see where I'm. Probably like in the Heat World, just taking out Sunday, brand new Thursday, like the 2001, 2002 kind of albums. Then, um, and then I went back, like because I was like, this is all the weird i like, and so I'm like, oh wow, like they all like this band called Sunday Day Real Estate. You know, I'm gonna buy that album too. You know, and like, and so I like, so my, so I didn't experience the late 90s firsthand, but what I've read online, like I just read your interview with Mike Kinsella, and he just seemed so blown away that anyone would like American football. Um, and, and that's how it feels now. Like, I feel like all these bands would be just blown away if in 15 years they were playing three nights at Webster Hall also. Uh, I wouldn't be blown away. Like, I don't see any of them as, like, a band with any kind of mainstream crossover potential. A bit band with any kind of mainstream crossover potential. Like, like all, all the big bands that I think are breaking the mainstream out of what you might call indie, I feel like are already pop in a way. Like all, all the bands that have really just skyrocketed out of just from indie dumb to pop dumb like have been these bands like Haim and Churches. These bands are like, I would call synth pop or something. I wouldn't not even surprised that they are popular, you know? Um, and that is the indie to pop like thing right now in my mind. Um, but maybe, like, I guess if I had to guess, my guess is it would just be, like, that completely random thing that no one saw coming. You know, the way that, like, that, like, My Chemical Romance became sort of the biggest emo band of the 2000s. And, like, I mean, I was personally never a fan of them. And when I first heard them, I was kind of, like, almost already over it. Um, I was, like, Thursday did this better and, like, less makeup. Um. And then it's so weird, you know, that they got absolutely bigger than Thursday. Like, I would have never thought that if you would have told me when they first came out, this band was bigger than Thursday. Um, so, I mean, like, if it does happen, it's probably going to be just, like, someone... It's not, I don't think it's going to be the most beloved band. Is what
0: I mean to say. Yeah, no, you're right. It's the, it's 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 the band that copies the band that did it really well that gets popular. Yeah. So that'll happen again. So someone's gonna copy Foxing and then be really big. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting too that even just a few years ago every you know if it was live nation or golden voice or all those booking places and even the booking agents were putting these packages together and all the shows were all the same band all the same genre like you're going to get you're going to get screamo tonight you know and it's five or six bands yeah. and i think i think it wore people out because You couldn't, you couldn't disseminate between each of the bands because you each had the breakdown at one minute and 10 seconds. All your merch was looking the same. Like when you have, I think kids, like, I think it's fine if like, look, I don't just listen to emo. Like I love metal. Mm -hmm. I love blues. Like it just, I happen to love this a lot. And I think kids are like that too. And people, they want to like different things and. That's what I loved about those hardcore shows because it was a post-band. There was like an emo band on the bill and you kind of got different feelings and that's what's so great about right now is because it is different and that's what I think they... The bands of today took... They didn't take the mid two thousands where it all kind of sounded the same. They really went back a little further, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but I feel like it took a little. It took a minute for them to kind of leapfrog that and be like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's more fun." <laughs> yeah, like, no, I want. I like, I want to play with a punk band. I want to play with a pop punk band too, and a hardcore band.
1: <laughs> I definitely agree. I mean, I, in my opinion, the way the whole emo revival started. I mean, I think with bands like Algernon Cadwalder and Snowing and stuff, who I think made these really, really intentional moves to be like, we're going to forget the last decade of emo and sound like Captain Jazz and Brave, you know? Like, and I, I think like, I don't dislike those bands. I think they were they're fun to see live. I don't think they brought anything original to the table, Um, but I think they were like these necessary bands. Like, they had to happen. It almost makes sense that they're broken up now that the thing is blown up huge because i see them as like these really important transition bands where like they had to go back to strictly playing cap and jazz braid style music so you could get a band like the world's a beautiful place to take a lot of those elements and put way more into it and make something really original at this point in time where like nobody was really ready for original emo yet you know because of any ties to a that mainstream eyeliner scene of the mid-2000s, any signs of that at all, people would just turn away.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. What other bands do you think were there at that time? I mean, I remember all those, but I'm just, I'm like, I'd love to hear your sort of, was it,
1: and it was snowing, like, it like was... Like pre the big break, break period? Yeah. I mean, like, there was like, I mean, actually, like, the world of kind of was a band around then, too. Um, but, like, Everyone Everywhere in 1994 and Cassavet. And, I mean, also, like, those bands, I think, are really specifically the sort of math rock style cap and Jazz thing, like... I mean, did you also find it funny like... that
0: they... Did you find it funny that everybody copied and copied Jazz? Because I was like, why wouldn't you copy The Promise Ring? Why do not you copy, you know, I, Sunny Day or, or Mineral? Like, and Jazz... Agree. Like, I like, I have the and Jazz record... I love them. I love all the connections to it. But it just, it wasn't, it, it, I don't know, like it wasn't like the most amazing emo band ever.
1: Oh, I 100% agree. I think like, it's really awesome to hear you say that. I think more people need to say that. I mean, the whole reason that actually it took me a while to fully love the new stuff, because like, I saw al nodding snowing when they were around, um, and I didn't love it. Like, I was like, it's all right. Um, but like, for me, I was like, you should copy like Mineral and Promise Ring and Sunny Day. And like those I thought were way better bands than Captain Jazz. And I mean, I like American football more than Captain Jazz and like maybe even Owls more than Captain Jazz. I mean, and um, and Mike and Mike would agree with you because
0: like they were figuring it out. They were just like kids. Like it was just, I was like, why is everyone copying Captain Jazz? Like can someone fucking put a hook in there?
1: I totally agree, and I think that's part of why it started, you know, to become you know, better <laughs> like, because I think like, have you heard that band Courtesy Drop?
0: Yeah, they're fucking great
1: Yeah, they remind me of like Knapsack the Promise Ring, you know, and I was like hell yeah, like bring on the Knapsack and Promise Ring revival like, I, And then I, Balance
0: like, and Composure Balance and Composure brings the post a little bit to it, and they they wrote a ridiculous record that's you know, I think that song "Reflection" is like, you know, that is like a radio song if in in oh, yeah. in, in, in in the right time and place. It would have and... been in
1: '03, I think. Like they they remind me a lot of like like Dejan Tandu era, brand new, and like and even like a little bit of that late '90s grunge in there too. And I think one of the greatest things about this scene is everyone involved in it. I just feel like I get enthusiasm from them, like. Um, it's the you know, reason I'm like,
0: I'm I'm excited about music again. Partly because yeah, music, of everybody's, oh, me too. Like,
1: like absolutely, like I like I you know like especially as like Brooklyn Vegan is very much like I would say you know mainly in the indie rock world or at least was at one point. For I mean there are so many things, but you know like uh, if I had to generalize, Brooklyn Vegan is the indie rock world. Um, and so being there for a while and really immersing myself in that scene. I just very quickly found how jaded everybody is with it, and how like it's almost cool to be bored, cool to be apathetic, cool when your lyrics don't mean anything and make any sense, and when your band has no stage presence, no smart. and that just all that just kept it hitting me at once. I would go to these shows and you'd just see people staring at their phones, and I, and as if I'm just like Instagramming themselves, like showing off where they were. And it you know, it really started to just make me feel weird about music. I was like, This is not how I grew up. I grew up going to like these sick shows that were like thrown in these VFW halls and everyone was super into it. And why is everyone like these are like the people who sort of mocked me for liking that and it's just weird. And then all of a sudden, like I go to like say like that Foxing show and the whole crowd knows all the words. The record's been out for a few months. You know, and just like, and there's all these people who like, they get there early. The venue is packed for the opener. Like, you don't see that at like, uh, you know, other scenes of music. I I, I feel like every show I go to in less closely knit, less like smaller scenes like this, the opener just plays to nobody. And it's unfortunate. And like, not only are these fans there and the fans on the words, but the bands are all friends and they've all, Played together and they help each other out with like the little things in their towns and it like it feels to me like this is the current version of like whatever the diy punk circuit was like in the original days like you know like like i you know i wasn't there for minor threat but i've read a lot about it and the way that like minor threat became friends with black flag and they and they helped all the dc bands in like you know california and vice versa like that's what it feels like when you get like you know like the world is and foxing and like and all these bands like it I feel like they're doing like that original punk mentality of like we 're all in this together, and no one really likes us, but the people who do really like us
0: i i I think that's a really good point that i haven 't thought about is that it is it is reminding me of that, and it is the only difference is that there's some instagram internet it's faster and the bands are connecting, you know, you're able to kind of connect a lot quicker. Um, Yeah, it's, it, it isn't a letter. It's not a tour date. It's a Facebook message and a Bandcamp account. And you're sort of friends with them or you, you connect with them based on music. I mean, I've met so many bands through the site instantly um, that have either found about the site and talked to me, send me their band and I'm instantly friends with them. Um, You know, and I think it is, it, it does have that, Feel still, and you're totally right. Like, these bands are all friends, and yeah, there's one of them's gonna get big, and there's gonna be a beef, and whatever it is. But this cycle, right now, right at this moment, it still feels good,
1: (laughs) yeah, definitely. Like, in every like, I don't feel like I mean, definitely this scene, I think, is more prone than other scenes to, like, you said before, like, package tours, but it doesn't feel like it's calculated as like, what you were saying before, like a live nation kind of thing, and like, here's five screamo fans.
0: Welcome to the Washed Up Emo podcast. Today we welcome uh, editor, writer Ian Cohen of Pitchfork.com. Uh, Ian and I met through an unconditional love for Jimmy World. And what better place than here to discuss all things emo than the Washed Up Emo podcast? So, Ian, welcome to the trust tree of Enig, Simpson, and Adkins. How's
2: it going? I feel very welcome. Thanks. Just, I mean, yeah, you know, I think about you know, writer the writers that like, you know, the bigger publications, you know, myself, like Kyle McGovern at spin, you know, the guys at the AV club or whatever, you know, it's, we were in a position like, you know, in 2010, I was not a contributing editor at Pitchfork. I was, you know, a staff guy. And, you know, it's, you know, for it's, it's just a combination of factors such as, you know, the music is, so much stronger now uh you know bands improve quickly i mean that's been the case with a lot you know emo bands who make it to their second record uh tend to tend to get you know better i mean like you look at the leap that brand new made uh you look at the leap that jimmy world made from you know static prevails to uh clarity uh you know there's just a couple of examples and you're seeing it you know happen again because um you know these bands all work together and inspire themselves you know inspire each other and Uh, You know these bands like start young very often, and uh, right now we're seeing like a lot of bands who, you know, are kind of you know bubbling under in 2010. You know, towards the towards the tail end when you know when um, I guess what people consider to be like hot topic emo or whatever. um, You know, it's just the combination of like bands making stronger music, writers who are in a position right now where they have a platform uh, to talk about them and. You know, it, it's it's something that wasn't planned. I mean, like, you know, people will say that, you know, this... Like, I mean, let, let, why don't we ask Top Shelf Records, you know, if they were selling more in 2010 than they are now? I mean, it's it's it, it's a combination of things. But I think when we look back from 2004 through 2008 or whatever, like, the way I've always thought about it is, um, you know, I think about it like this... You know, most people say it's like the hair metal period or whatever of that. Um, for me, I think it—it's it, sort of like um, I think a, maybe a better comparison is like the shiny suit era of hip hop. Like, um, you know, I think there are a lot of similarities with you know the music that Fallout Boy, Panic, Disco made in hip hop. I mean, they chase that association by having Jay Z. But I think, you know, it's, as a hip hop fan, you know, personally, like I look back at you know, all the purists who said, you know, stuff like Biggie and, like, you know, Puffy and Mace and, like, you know, Rough Riders and all that. Like, yeah, it, so it didn't have a lot in common with, like, you know, the old-school, like, pure, you know, the real, the real hip-hop, or whatever. But all the same, it got, like, a, a lot of young people uh, into the genre, and once they found that stuff, they were able to get, like, deeper and, like, find the roots of it. And so... You know, I think in a lot of ways, like, bands like, you know, Taking Back Sunday or, you know, Fall Out Boy or Panic, who got on MTV, um, you know, like, if that gets people to read Alternative Press or Absolute Punk or whatever, like, maybe that's, like, the entry point. That's the crossover, and, you know, from those bands, you can find out about, uh, you know, Cat and Jazz or, you know, whatever roots-type stuff, we're t- you know, we're talking about, so... Yeah, I mean I think I don't I don't think anyone's wrong in telling the story. I mean, like yeah, it did go underground. Um in between two thousand and four and two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, it did, you know, there was uh, you know, some there was stuff going on. Um, but, you know, at the time, like if we're talking about, you know, well where 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 was Pitchfork or where was Spin or where was the A V club? I mean like you know, most of these bands like really weren't ready for any sort of like public, um, you know, any sort of like, you know, big sort of press push. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just about like, I mean, it's, it's weird because like it, it moves to me in a, in a fashion similar to hip hop, not where everything is like cyclical, but like, in a sense that, um, you know, it, it's very fluid and it keeps moving and so vague that, yeah, there's always going to be like, you know, real, like classicist style stuff, but there's, you know, always going to be bands who learn things from, you know, Taking Back Sunday and Panic! at the Disco and Captain Jazz. I mean, you look at a band like, you know, you blew it. um, I I think they call their style of music 1999. And, you know, those are the years that, um, you know, that's when, you know, Clarity came out and that's also when um I believe, you know, How It Feels to Be Something On came out as well and also, you know, Get Up Kids, uh, you know, something to write home about. I mean, those are all completely different records. Um, but you know, they have learned, you know, like good modernists how to fuse all that stuff together. So um, you know, it is you know, so the new bands that are here today, it's like that, you know, much like a lot of the rappers that you hear have learned to you know, really kind of fuse certain regions and certain styles. So, um, you know, it's, it, I think it's just, it's like hip hop and that's, it's not like rock music, I guess, where, you know, it, it's more cyclical, you know, where you have like the new rock revolution, then like you just go back into grunge again or like rap rock. So, um, it's been interesting, but I think in all ways it, it, it reached a peak in 2013 where, um, you know, it was just ready to be like acknowledged by, you know, bigger, more outside you know, more outside the alternative press, absolute punk world.
0: Why then why then now is there a negative connotation? Not negative, but I just feel like now everyone doesn't want to say the word emo revival. Don't the hashtag is now a joke. <laughs> just like just like emo was a joke and it and yeah. it, and it went away again. And now there's a term to it when you know, whatever it was called, twinkle core, whatever the fuck that was called. (laughs) Yeah. All that shit, which I was, I had no clue what that was. I was so old. I had no, I was so no clueless on that. But now that word even is a joke. There's back and forth between publications. There's Twitter feuds. There's people saying it needs to stop people seeing it. Or I, I said it first. I didn't. It's, it's, it's music. It's yes. It sounds like it. I, I guess it's just a term that's just going to be attached to this time period. But why is it now a dirty word again when it was supposed uh, to be something I mean, it's positive?
2: A, it's a, well, I mean, I think for a long time, it's always been a dirty word. Cause like, unlike hip hop, like you don't have like a five elements of emo. You don't have like the idea that it was, you know, like a social and cultural rebellion or whatever. Like, um, even if there was a certain aspect of it, you know, even if, like, you know, the early guys, like, you know, Right to Spring or Embrace or Fugazi or whatever, like, say, like, this is the fucking term. Um, I think in in some ways, um, the problem... Well, first off, I think people have a, pro- a problem with the word revival because um, I, I think it's... I don't think people are, you know, in the wrong for using it. I don't think they're doing it with, like, bad intent. I do think it's more of like a renaissance or like a reclamation or what have you. But, um, as far as the word emo goes, I mean, like in, in some ways it's because it's still embarrassing, you know, just the, just the word itself, the way it sounds is embarrassing to people. But I think with bands, um, you know, they, they, they've seen for a long time that, um, it can really just kind of put you in this, in, in 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 this kind of ghetto, like you know this proverbial ghetto where you know they've seen that you know for a long time uh most you know most publications, whether it's spin whether it's Rolling Stone, whether it's pitchfork uh whether it's any, that emo is like a four letter word it's like you know that stuff does not get covered um it's seen as you know, childish it's seen as yeah, not, it's not 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 respectable. Un- yeah, it's like, you know, and, you know, even back, like, even back in 2001, I mean, like, I I hear about it to this day where it's like, uh, you know, stuff that precedes me being at the publication by like seven years. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, like I we probably did drop like a three on like Bleed American or whatever. But um, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, like bands understand that um, to be indie rock is probably a lot more profitable you know than emo i mean like look i think a lot of bands will identify like they'll say that's the stuff i was into but you know it's it's got just so much baggage because you know because even when it was um you know there there really wasn't ever a time when um you know the fun just the funny thing when i think about it right now is um you look at like all the revi like any revival or what have you that took place, you know, in the past five years or whatever. Whether we're talking about like freak folk or, uh, you know, like post punk or like dance punk or whatever, like those at all at one time were all like those were cool at certain point. And then you know just because some other thing kind of took over, like you know it's like post punk was always cool, but you know you get like a certain number of bands in like two thousand two thousand one or whatever who you know, sound like that again. Uh, same with like, you know, like Gang of Four was cool. And when Block Party and, you know, Maximo Park and like all those bands came about, it was cool again. But, um, you know, emo was never, um, you know, emo was never co-signed by critics. Uh, it was never a, um, considered to be like very influential on like a lot of like any sort of bands that were considered cool. Um, you know, it was just as like a curiosity and even when it did have its moment um, as, you know, when it was, you know, like I, I believe in 2001 there was like a article that Spin ran like, are you emo? It was like kind of like a funny, like fake quiz. You know, the bands at that time were like, you know, dashboard confessional and, you know, Jimmy world and, you know, later on like brand new and um, whatever. And, you know, for for a lot of people, a lot of, you know, casemakers or whatever, it's like that music, well, for one thing, it's not cool. It never attempted to be, but, and, you know, a lot of people, it was something that you grew out of. You know, it's like, you could love Dashboard Confessional to your fucking heart's content when you were 16 or whatever, and, you know, let Chris Carrabba sing your pain about, you know, having the girl ignore you or whatever, but, like, it's seen as music that, you know, you grow out of and which, um, which is unlike any other genre I can think of. I mean, like even, you know, not even, not even teen pop. I mean, you'll find plenty of people in my, in my position who, you know, that's their gig. Like they listen to teen pop and, you know, that's because there's like, I don't know, like more truth to it or be because, you know, there's the aspect of it um, being product you know, it acknowledging its own uh, stance and being product. So, you know, I, I, if, you're a, if you're a band that's coming up to, in the, it today, like, you know, it, it, where you're like, well, I don't know, like you blew it or, um, you know, the world is a beautiful place or whatever, like, you know, to some extent, like, it, you know, to identify as emo will, you'll find people who like, yeah, like me, it's like, fuck, I've been looking for shit like this for fucking years that's great, you know, but me, um, you know, um I, I think I'm a minority in that sense. And, you know, these bands themselves, it's like if you you know, if if you're an emo band or whatever, it's like maybe you don't like you probably don't get looked at for, you know, certain festivals like Coachella or I mean, you know, obviously these bands are probably a long way away from that. But um, you know, you don't get looked at by the same You're by the same publications, you don't get looked at by the same festivals, you don't get booked by, you know, the same venues, you don't, you know, get looked at by the same PR people.
0: What about if, like, what about if that that shit period didn't happen? What if I call it the hair metal, you call it, you know, another thing? What if that... Yeah. What if that didn't happen? What if it, it, what if it, what if it just progressed? Because when I first got into it, it was, no one was talking about it. There were small zines. It was a small community. Everyone was, you know, helping each other. And, you know, yes. Most of the bands that I talked to each time I asked them, Hey, what did you think about when you first heard that word? It was always like, what? Like they were all kind of confused. And it was sort of just something that got attached to it. But what if that word sort of didn't have the pop, Time like the pop punk which I, I consider a lot of those bands pop punk what if it didn't have that phase to it and kept going would it would it have changed would would the perception sure. have been different and it wouldn't have had it because I still I still feel every time there's an article about it there's a snicker. There's, there's, yeah. there's a laugh. There's a, I'm going to, I'm going to write this article because I get to make a dashboard confessional joke. I can make a fallout boy joke. I can make fun. I can reference sunny day and mineral. I can, I can, it, it all like all those things seem when in, in earnest that, that music was really, it, it did mean something and it was serious. It wasn't what, it was, you know, it, and that joke part from 2004, just was like this, you know. Big videos and girls and you know tour buses and it just it just seemed to that is what people are still holding on to when they're when they're I, writing this stuff.
2: I, I think yeah, I think there is like a certain um, I think a certain um, when, when people write about this stuff, there, there's maybe like an obligation to mention like the reason that you know, a so-called, like, revival or reclamation or whatever's happening in the first place is because, you know, there was that period, and, you know, I, like, look, I mean, I, I know a lot of people in my field who, you know, love Fall Out Boy, um, who are really into, like, power more or whatever, but you know, that being said, um, you know, you look at, I think that, you know, like, emo talking being like, uh, even more so than hip hop, like stopped being like a term which defined the style of music. And, you know, it became like, you know, the swoop haircuts and like the, you know, the white belts and Hot Topic and things like that. And, you know, I think that um, uh, if that period didn't happen, um, I don't know, It's tough to, it, it's tough to say, but like, I think that, you know, certain bands. Um, especially bands are you know, bands are savvy nowadays where you know, they see all like all this stuff happening in real time. Like, you know, they know they see their own press. They see uh what's happening and you know, there there's a the sense that for a lot of people that you know, the word the word emo makes you think of like uh my chemical romance. Even though like my chemical romance is like I don't know, like maybe more of like a pop metal band or whatever. But like I mean yeah, it's, it's it. I think you know, it's even people like myself. Like for, you know, during the during the fuel by ramen days or whatever. Like you know, it, I think there was a lot, you know, a lot of qualities that I should have been into with those bands, that just didn't connect with me. And like you know, when I tried to find bands who, um, you know, who, who if not sounded like Sunny Day Real Estate, you know, carried on in that sort of style or whatever, where it wasn't, you know, um, you know, where, yeah. And, you know, to, to my discredit, it's like, you know, you just, you end up being like, you know, that kind of old grumpy guy, like, Oh, you know, it's not like it used to be or whatever, but, you know, it was music that as someone who was in you know their mid twenties, it was just like really hard to connect with. And, um, and I think bands these days, you know, they're super duper careful about, you know, whether or not they want to identify as emo, because, you know, for a lot of people like, you know, who aren't us, who aren't on this podcast, who could be, you know, very well versed in um, pretty much all genres of music. Like, you know, you could you don't have to be versed on, you know, emo, as far as you know, like that shit is still like, you know, whoever you see on the cover, you know, no offense to alternative press, but like, you know, you see a band, you know, you, you take a look at that and, you know, you, you know, there's still like plenty of like bands who have the kind of liner look and like, you know, have the backwards hats and wear shorts on stage or whatever. You know, you still think of it as being that sort of um, thing that is marginalized to, you know, white dudes from Florida who are 17 years old and, um, you know, and. Yeah, you just don't want to be associated with that because I mean, in in, in some which is strange because if you really look, if you really look at it, like the bands who, um, who like are sustaining like you know, uh, on the ground success, like kind of a brick and mortar sort of success, whether we're talking about like record sales or we're talking about like being able to tour or whatever. I mean, those are like the those are like the fucking punk bands. Those are like the you know, this is like the Warped Tour bands. I mean, like people like get, uh, uh, you know, compared to like, you know, what some indie bands are doing. I mean, like let's, let's be real here. I mean, like, you know, we, you know, I don't think, you know, like most of these publications, you know, aren't covering like, let's say the Wonder Years, who aren't really emo. I mean, I guess that most people consider them pop punk, but like, which might as well be emo, you know, as far as most people are concerned. And like, I mean, you look at the kind of venue, but it's like, but it's not the venues that like you know indie bands go to. It's like the one, you know, it's not the one. You know, they don't play in L.A. They play in like maybe Orange County or whatever. And yeah, Pomona. And um, you know, it's like I, you know, it's it's like for me, it's just like fascinating to, you know, see this stuff because. You know, you, you. I mean, like, especially in my world, when you're talking about like what you want, to, what most people would consider to be like more, uh, like a typically indie publication, like an indie rock publication, like, um, you know, like, you know, when like when we ran something on balance and composure, I mean, this is a band who like they debuted at what, like, something like number 35 on, Bill Ward or whatever, and like, you know, that, you know, when we ran, um when we ran, um, you know, something on, uh, that song reflection, I mean, like it just blew the fuck up. Like no one could, ante- I mean, we didn't, you know, it, no one could anticipate that. I mean, maybe you could, but it was just like people were, you know, I think a lot of people in, you know, not just our own publication, but like other ones, like, noticed. like, you know, this is, and this is like, there's like this whole, marginalized not maybe not even marginalized but just like kind of a, this this crowd that is being ignored by all publications and i mean i it's not just you know i'm not just talking about pitchfork like let's let me just you know state that right now like i mean when i mean it's rock music as a whole but um you know you look at uh you there's like you know the people the, there's people who um who you know? People who listen to this music uh, aren't weren't really being engaged by any um, you know by any by any larger you know. I mean, it wasn't getting covered in Rolling Stone either. I mean, don't, like it wasn't being covered by Pace Magazine. It wasn't being like you know. And all of a sudden, it's like this weird sort of. And you know, that's why there's a lot of uneasiness. I think uh, is because you know, like. There, there's this idea that um, especially if like you're, you know, let's suppose you're someone who, you know, kind of orbits around the whole, like, you know, all press, like absolute punk, um, that sort of world. And all of a sudden you see like, you know, at the AV club or, you know, Pitchfork or whatever covering you, bands. it's like, wait a minute, you, you know, what, what the fuck is going on here? It's like, uh, what, why are you encroach like, you never really cared before, um, you know, which is, you know, which is not true. I mean, it's not really true, but you know, there's a difference between writing for like a national publication with like, you know, uh, you know, editors and like, uh, a huge staff as opposed to just like writing your own blog. I mean, like, look, if I, if I were just some dude on a blog, yeah, I could probably, you know, throughout 2010, like I could write about fucking Thursday records until, you know, my heart's content, but... Um, Welcome to Washed Up you know. Emo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I
0: mean, it was, it was... I remember 2010, and, you know, someone mentioning to me, hey, Tom, there's this band that sounds like Mineral, and they're from this country. Like, what? People are yeah. making that music again? People are yeah. sounding like that again? And then it started to sort of... You know, snowball, and then you hear about the labels, or you start seeing one band, and then this venue opens. It just, it felt so orga- organic, and when I when I spoke to uh, Kevin from Top Shelf about all this, I mean, the way that his stuff sort of happened in, in that growth, it felt like the mid-90s. Yes, there was yeah. internet, yes, there was, you know, a lot more communication about things, but it felt that same way or it was organically done it wasn't like everyone got in a room and you got ten writers together and you started, hey, let's let's make an emo song, you know, you didn't have uh, um, Luke, uh, you know some uh, doctor Luke with you you know, it was just you guys in a room making music and you kind of looked back Um, and that's the, I mean you make really good points about, yeah, it's like you, you know, when I saw the Pitchfork, you know, you guys writing about these bands and stuff, I got psyched I was like, good you know, these bands are good. These bands are good enough to be there. And it does deserve this. And, and everyone's now like trying to take it back. And I'm just like, can you let it go? Can you, can you, can you, can you let Kevin from Top Shelf live like in a really nice house? Like, can you like, let, let this happen. Let these bands become big because then we get to see them every year. Like we do Jimi Eat World. What if, know. You know, what if Bleed American didn't break? Would they still be a band? I don't know. You know, maybe they, maybe they would, but every time I see them and there's a frat guy next to me being a fucking idiot, I don't care because yeah. they're still around and they're still playing. I feel that about the, the coverage today is a part of helping these bands go. And this is not what you
2: want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if, if, you know, if like, uh, like, uh, let me just like, you know, put that out there right now. Like if, 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 if you know, if this part should stay in, it's like, I can guarantee you, there are not not a single writer who writes about this stuff. Not me, not Kyle, not any of the guys in the AV Club, not uh, anyone at Property of Zach, not anyone anywhere. Like Buzzfeed, Stereo, like you know, Stereo Gum, not M.T.R. Leor, not one, yeah, <laughs> not one, not one fucking person who writes about this stuff is doing so because they think it'll make them look cool as a matter of fact if you write about this stuff you're putting your ass on the line out there well that's what i
0: figured with you i was like holy shit someone's (laughs) writing about this on the you know the the, if if i had a if i had a dollar for every time your website's mentioned in my office i would be i would have lunch money for a very long time so it's like yeah it's like you're you're putting your neck out on the line for these artists and for these songs as a song and you then, it's almost like you're defending before you even start.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, for it's like no one, like, and that's the thing, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing else. I mean, like, we, you know, and the fact is we're excited to talk about this stuff as well, you know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, people say it's like, you know, you're just like kind of, I mean, like, look, I don't know what it does for like, fucking traffic. I fucking like look, if it was all about like what traffic you know, if it was all about what traffic would we could get, like, trust me, we'd probably post much much more about like uh I don't know, like fucking Katy Perry or like nine inch like nine inch nails or whatever. Like if we wanted the most traffic possible, I'm sure we would post about like nine inch nails every single fucking day. But um you know it's just like you know it, it it's it's obvious that like just when people are uncomfortable um and you know, like, look, I mean, it's, you know, there, it's funny when people like talk about like, you know, where, you know, the money's going to change everything, you know, <laughs> like, you know, there's going to be this bubble that's going to burst with emo revival or whatever. And it's like, that's just so silly. Cause like, like what's, what's happening is like, do you see like fucking, uh, do you see the world's a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die on Saturday night live? I mean, do you see like you know a bidding war for like you blew it or whatever i mean like no offense to those bands or i mean they're but you know it's just like it's it's not like uh it's not like um you know it's this not, isn't it's not this like...
0: isn't vagrant across america
2: in fucking yeah, seven
0: yeah. tour buses and you know selling out arenas or not arenas yeah, but selling like... out those big venues like th- this is yeah. not that
2: I got to see, like, you know, when they come to California, I'm seeing, like, a great big pile of weeds, I'm seeing into it over it, and the world's view of place at the same show. Like, they're, like, it, it's just funny, because, like, um, you know, it's, like, what's gonna, you know, like, there's, like, gonna be a bubble or whatever. It's, like, none of these bands are, like, fucking, like, you know, quote, like, blowing up in the sense, like, where, you know, like, it, you, all of a sudden, you have, like, band, you know, like, you have a band like MGMT, let's say, and you know, for a while, that was what you know, like a, a record label like Columbia would chase after. You know, you want a band that sounds like that. Um, you know, you don't want like, or nowadays, like you'll probably hear a lot more bands that you know sound like churches or sound like Haim or whatever. Like you no, know, you know, like like you know, especially like in my inbox or whatever. When, like you see what kind of bands like PR label like PR people and like labels are signing. It's like it's like they're not like my inbox is not being fucking flooded you know from these places with bands that sound like fucking mineral or like sunny day real days like because if they did you'd
0: be forwarding them to me
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know if, if you want to look at a reason why you know people are paying more attention to this style of music this kind of like music that looks sound and feels like you know rock music on an independent label i e indie rock it's because um you know a lot of what's being presented is like indie or whatever is like you know it's like fucking r and d or it's like pop music, which you know that's fine like you know I'm not gonna say that indie rock has to sound like fucking pavement for like you know time eternal but like you know when a lot of people can't find um you know, rock music on independent labels to the typical indie channels anymore. And, um, you know, like this, this is filling, you know, I think um, I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I think it was like in Brooklyn Vegan or whatever. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote it, um, but it was, you know, he made a really good point And one that I agree with and one I've been saying for a while is that like, you know, pretty much any band that like gets uh, called emo right now, like emo is like indie rock right now. You know when we talk about like you know whether it's going to be like a bubble or you know whether it's going to just like kind of kind of fizzle out the way you know other like you know post punk or like you know freak folk or like bloghouse or French touch or whatever did it's like um, you know it's like there's not a lot of money being pumped into this like you know it's like we're not going to be you know no no one's going to be at, no one gets to act surprised if and when like Joyce Manor. You know, drop their next record, or if and when title fight does, or you know, all these things. And it's like, okay, you know, like, you know, people like, you know, people, you know, ask like, dude, man, like, you know, if you guys were like covering email all year, and you thought like, how come it wasn't on our year-end list or whatever, or like it wasn't on anyone else's? Like, well, you know, first off, like, it's really fucking hard to take. It's really fucking hard to make our year-end list, like. Uh, it's it's really fucking hard. Like, uh, yeah, it have to have consensus. Like, I'm just like one guy.
0: I what's going to be interesting is if one of these bands writes that song. Like, Reflection was close. It was big. I think it was it was almost there. But it's going to be interesting if if one of these bands writes that hit, writes that song that that does take it somewhere else and.
2: If it I happens, so.
0: awesome. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But that's going to be the interesting point. If one of these bands kind of hits gold a little bit,
2: I think so. I think there. I think that. um I, I think that's something that people are worried about. Is that like you know that you know that once once you know this whole fucking thing finds that one band to ride or finds that one song that becomes emblematic of you know what's happening. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? But you know, maybe fucking Sony will swoop in. Maybe like, uh, you know, Columbia will swoop in and buy Top Shelf Records and make it like a fucking like cash money, you know, sort of arrangement <laughs> like that. You know, it's like rap labels or whatever. But um, you know, you know, it's funny because like a lot of people like, uh, you know, balance and composure like that. That came that record came so fucking close to being something that you know, could have been, like, the color and the shape, you know, the Foo Fighters record for me, and maybe it will be, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe, like, maybe 10 years down the road, like, um, you know, people say, like, there will be, like, this whole new generation of writers for him, like, that was a definitive document of their youth, and, you know, if it is, great, I mean, like, you know look i'm 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 a 33 year old dude like I, I i don't know what the kids are like i and you know, i'm not going to try to guess um but you know like that like balance and composure almost fucking got there to me it's like you know a band like the world is a beautiful place i think it's like there was more uh attention being paid to this music like more attention not less more attention being paid to this music like they could have You know, who knows? Maybe they could have got like Kimmel fucking. Maybe they could have, not Kimmel, but Fallon. Maybe they could have ended up on there. Like, maybe there's going to be that one down.